heaven is open. So let your kingdom come. Heaven is open. So let your kingdom come. I love those testimonies. Far out, man, I'm inspired. I had such a good week this week. I haven't got enough time to tell you about it. But The good news is, based on my evidence of my week, God is choosing to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. That's my testimony of my week. God is using extra, is ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So if you're ordinary like me, God wants to use you. Here endeth the message. That's it. I mean, I like to back up what I say with Scripture, so we might do that. But I kind of feel today that I've brought you a, a big piece of juicy steak, a full meal. And I, medium rare, of course. Yeah, 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 100%. Uh, but um, I, I, am, I don't know how much we're going to get through, because the more I look at this, the more God reveals. And even this morning in the prayer meeting we're having this morning, is, or even before they turned up, I was in the prayer room praying for you guys. And God's just unloading. Uh, revelation around the scripture, what he wants to do. So we'll see where we go. And this just might be part one of part of a two-part uh, thing. We'll see. Because lunch is soon. This morning, I want to introduce you to two champions of faith. Two champions of faith. I want to show you two ordinary blokes, just ordinary blokes, that God transformed by the power of his Holy Spirit. And once he'd transformed them by the power of his Holy Spirit, these guys remained ordinary. Just ordinary blokes. But because they allowed their ordinary selves to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, God did extraordinary things. Still ordinary, but God does extraordinary things. And I'm using this language on purpose to make you realize that even if you think you're ordinary or you tell yourself you're ordinary, God can still use you and he wants to use you. And in fact, that's his plan A, to use you. If only you'd allow them. And I'm, I'm going to show you, hopefully we get to the how. But if all you get this morning is the why, then I'm okay with that. But I have to say this right at the outset. No more excuses. No more hiding in the seats or no more hiding behind the screen. I see you there. No more saying someone else can carry the flag. No more saying someone else can do it because they work for the church. No more hiding. No more excuses. It's time. It's time. God wants his name to be famous throughout the earth, and the way he chooses to do that is through ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And we heard testimonies about that this morning. And we'll hear testimonies about that next week. And you know what? We'll do testimonies the week after. Ordinary people here telling you about extraordinary things. Because God is at work and God wants to use people. So if you like titles to messages, today's message is called Extraordinary Exploits of Everyday Believers. Meaning you and me. God wants his super to be our natural. God wants to use us so that we would see miraculous things happen in our lives every day. By definition, a supernatural event is something that can only be accredited to God. It's a miracle. It's a game changer. It's something that testifies to God's goodness. 
and I'm going to preach this till people wake up. It's time for us, us, me included, to be stirred out of our slumber, to be stirred out of the way we've done things. And I'm going to share some stuff this morning, hopefully excite you to see that God wants to use you, an ordinary bloke, an ordinary lady, young children that can give testimony to God doing extraordinary things. Is it okay? Not just you, because look, there's this guy here. Looks pretty ordinary. That's Evan Roberts. Evan Roberts is just an ordinary guy. He was born in 1878. That's why the photo's a bit grainy. I couldn't get a more recent one. He was born in Wales to a Christian couple who were faithful and diligent. They went to a chapel called the Mariah Chapel. They worshipped on Sunday and they worshipped on Monday and they worshipped on Tuesday. Most of the time they worshipped at home. They studied the Word of God. They honoured the Word of God. They were good, faithful Christian people. Evan was one of 14 children, so they obviously had no TV. <laughs> but when you're one of 14, you've got to fight for attention. It didn't affect him. It didn't affect him at all. When Evan was 11 years old, his father, who worked in the coal mine, suffered a major injury and couldn't work. So at 11 years old, Evan Roberts left school and went to support his family in the coal mine. Evan took his Bible with him because his Bible was one of his most valued, treasured possessions. And down deep in the coal mine, there was an explosion. Now, some of the men were killed. Evan Roberts escaped, but the Bible was scorched. There's photos you can find online of Evan Roberts' Bible scorched by the flames of the explosion in the mine. But whether it's just uncanny coincidence or not, the page that was open was at 2 Chronicles chapter 6 which is the prophetic declaration by Solomon that God was going to bring a revival amongst the people of God. Go figure. Because even Roberts was one of the most recognized men in the Welsh revival of 1904-1905, which is why we're having a look at him. But let me just bore you with Scripture for a minute, if I could be so bold. Solomon is praying and he says, My God, I pray. This is 2 Chronicles 6, verse 40, for those that follow. I pray that your eyes, your eyes, God, be open and let your ears be attentive to the prayer made in this place, like the prayers we prayed this morning. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord, to your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Let your priests, that's us, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation and let your saints, that's us, be rejoicing in goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed, it's Jesus. Remember the mercies of your servant David. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground and on the pavement. They worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, He is good. His mercy endures forever. God scorched the pages of Evan Roberts' Bible, so he would always have to be able to turn to that page and remember. Evan Roberts believed that God wanted to use him, just an ordinary bloke, and we're going to hear a recount of some of his experiences this morning. But I don't know if we'll see it tonight, today, but 
um, some of the videos that I watched, he'd say for four hours at night, the Holy Spirit would come upon him like a power surging through his body. And he would speak with the Lord as a man would speak face to face like Moses did. For months, four months, I think, every night, for four hours, he would just, in his bed, be trembling. I don't know if they had electricity in Wales in, in, the, in the 1900s, early 1900s, but, but um, other people I know that have had the same experience say it's like electricity surging. God was doing something powerful. I want you to listen to the passion of Evan Roberts. So let's make sure the volume works, and let's see what he would be praying. As Evan sought God, he wondered, could he ask God for 100,000 people to be saved? Would he have faith to believe that this was more than a young man's dream, but the reality to come? As he prayed and pondered these things, he finally settled in his heart that God was going to send revival, that Christ would be glorified, and that the Holy Spirit would be poured out in wells. With this in mind, he began to prepare, writing to his brother, he said, you must put yourself entirely at the Holy Spirit's disposal. To his sister, he wrote of this blessing, first, you must feel that you are a lost sinner. Then you must feel that Christ died for you. And lastly, you must have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then work. He began to tell people that we must obey the Holy Spirit's prompting, even in the smallest of things. Even in the smallest of things. Even in the smallest of things. History shows us, in fact, that revival broke out in Wales in 1904 from a prayer meeting in a church with 17 people in it. Revival burst forth across Wales, and in fact, records show that over 100,000 people found salvation in Jesus Christ. Reports tell us that people would, would, would leave the dance halls, they would leave the pubs, and they would go to try and find a man or a woman of God, a place of God, a church, a home, where God was glorified in order that they would find the freedom that others were experiencing revival across Wales. Come on, God is faithful, faithful to his people. When we cry out for revival, the Lord is willing to respond. Second Chronicles 6, verse 41, I read it before. Solomon says, Therefore arise, O Lord God, in your resting place. Zion is the dwelling place of God. You and your ark and your strength. Let your priests, which is your people, O Lord, be clothed with salvation. Let your saints, which is your people, rejoice in the goodness of God. Come on, we've got to rejoice in God's goodness that we would see what God wants to do in our midst. Someone say amen. Please give me some encouragement. I want to know you're listening this morning. A key passage for today is on the screen. It's 1 Peter 2 from verse 4 to 10. And Keelan read that at the opening of our um, gathering this morning. I'll read it once more. You are coming, you are coming to him, Jesus, as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, 
He is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they are also appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but have now obtained mercy. Almighty God, I just commit these scriptures to you this morning. Whether it's this morning right now here and online or whether it's weeks to come when people listen to the word of God, the scriptures, may they come alive in people's hearts. May you stir people today, God. May you light them up with the fire of your Holy Spirit that we too would believe that 100,000 people could be saved in this nation, a revival that we have not seen before. Amen. I want to break this scripture down, just two parts of it, I think, two parts, two different parts. But um, I just want to show you who we're really focused on this morning. There's three characters that come to my attention when I prepared this message. The first one is Evan Roberts, and I want you to hear more of him. Uh, The second guy is a guy called Peter. He was a disciple of Jesus. You may have met him before. And finally, the third person we really want to center our attention on is who? It would be you. And I put those three side by side, and I would say to you, you measure up shoulder to shoulder each one of them, because the Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. Each one of you has a part to play in God's plan to redeem this nation. Each one of you has a part to play to change the lives. If it's one, or if it's 10,000, or it's 100,000, it doesn't matter to anyone, it doesn't matter to God. You are called to be the move of God, and that's what I want to talk about today. So let's have a look at this guy first. His name's Peter. Obviously, that's not a real uh, photo, Um, but he he wrote this passage that we're studying today, which is why I chose him. But the reality is, if you understand Peter, the fisherman, well, he failed Jewish school. There's a whole lot of technical stuff behind that that I don't really understand or get into, but all Jewish boys went to school, and if they were good enough, they stayed, and if they weren't, they went out. Clearly, he went out, so he failed school. Son of a fisherman, became a fisherman. Sitting in a boat after a hard night work with not much luck, Jesus rocks up. Pastor Trevor spoke about this two weeks ago, if you were here. He spoke from Luke chapter 5, and he said that Peter was willing for his boat to be used. More than that, Peter was in the boat with Jesus. Peter wasn't a spectator. He was part of the crew. I encourage you to listen to that message from Pastor Trevor. An ordinary man who became an ordinary believer but saw extraordinary exploits because God was at work. So, a couple of snapshots. This is um, where you participate. Pop quiz. What does this picture represent of Peter? Tell me. What? The rock. That's right. Not Dwayne Johnson, but the rock from Scripture. Jesus says to Peter in John 1, if you look at the calling of a guy called Simon, you are Simon, because that was his birth name. But he says, you're the son of Jonah. Well, that's where you came from. But you'll be called Cephas, which means the stone or the rock. And what God's really been buzzing in my spirit this morning is in Matthew 16. Jesus asks his friends, who do people say that I am? 
Oh, some say John the Baptist and others say Elijah. And he says, but who do you say I am? It's about a personal revelation. And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. Listen to the words of Jesus, Matthew 16, verse 17. Jesus talks, he's answering Peter directly. This is a chat Jesus has with Peter. You are, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, Cephas, meaning the rock, the stone. You are Cephas. And on this rock of revelation, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Notice the empowerment that Jesus promises on the back of a revelation. This is going to be confirmed shortly when we examine Peter's letter. But this is a key moment when Jesus points at him and says, you heard from the Father, now you're going to see amazing things. But understand this, any reader of Scripture would not miss the clarity in what Jesus says when he affirms Peter. Any Jewish listener who was sitting around when Jesus is chatting to his friends is not going to miss this. Why? Because there's a significance in calling someone the rock. Let me just give you a couple of references. Deuteronomy 32, starting at the beginning. Moses sings a song. He gets out his guitar, starts singing in the spirit. Give, O ear, O heavens, and I will speak and hear the earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as rain. My speech distill as the dew and as raindrops on the tender herbs. Showers on the grass, for I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock, and his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without justice. Righteous and upright is he. Who is God? He is the rock. That became part of, I was going to say folklore, because that's how the Hebrew people shared the history of God was they would read out Deuteronomy. It's like Moses' sermon on the mount sort of thing. They'd read it when they gathered. So generations later, when a young woman who couldn't get pregnant petitioned God and she fell pregnant and gave birth to Samuel, she sings a song to God and she says, you are my rock, you are my strength. David writes the Psalms. If you're writing references, if you want to do a study on this, go and find it. But in Psalm 95, oh, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let's be coming before his presence with thanksgiving and shout with joy. Who is God? He is the rock. So when Jesus says to Peter, you shall be Cephas, everyone listening went, oh. <gasps> Because that's what they call God. Well, I thought it was cool. Remember last week's message. A wise man builds his house upon the... Now think about that differently. So Peter has an interesting uh, life with Jesus. Three years. Roller coaster. What does this picture represent? 
walking on water. One disciple got out of the boat. It was Peter. Extraordinary experience. What does this picture represent? Not quite. Who me? Who you? That's right. The night that Jesus was arrested, Peter stood around the fire and the young girl said, Hey, you're one of his disciples. Three times that night, Peter said, mm, I don't know the guy. Nah, not me. And yet, Jesus had the grace, the love, and the foresight to heal him on the side of the lake after his resurrection. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter what you've done. You're ordinary, and God wants to use you. What about this? This is not an actual photo of the event. There's a few more people present in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit fell. In Acts chapter 2, the Word of God says, Peter, filled with the Spirit, stood up and preached his first sermon. Not a bad outcome. 3,000 men and others gave their lives to the Lord and the church grew and was different forevermore. Peter healed the man at the gate beautiful. Why? Because Jesus said he could. Acts chapter 4, he gets up, preaches another message. More people get saved. But this is the most important one, I think, for us today, for those of us that are Kiwis or South Africans. What's this picture of? What's this picture of? Things you're not allowed to eat. When did that happen in Peter's life? Pop quiz, come on. What happened? He was praying on top of the building and he fell into a trance and he had a vision in the middle of the day. So he wasn't snoozing. And the Lord showed him these animals and said, have a meal. Read the story. And he says, Lord, I would not. I would not eat these for they are unclean. And the Lord said, don't you dare call anything unclean that I call clean. Well, that's you guys, and it's me, because we're not Jewish by birth. And the revelation that Peter got was that actually God wants to pour his spirit out on all mankind. Oh, that's right. He said that in the Bible already, all through the Old Testament, that I'll bring Gentiles to myself. But the Jews hadn't got it. The church hadn't got it. And it took a man having a, having a trance in the lunchtime to go and see a man called Cornelius, who the Lord said, I will send a man to you and you shall follow him. And Cornelius' entire household got baptized in the Holy Spirit and received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. What does that mean for you? If it wasn't for that dream, you wouldn't be sitting here. Peter, used by God, an ordinary guy, just an ordinary guy, and, and remained an ordinary guy. What does it mean for you? Well, you can stay ordinary if you want. You don't have to walk around with the countenance of the Lord glowing, so you have to wear a veil. Just be ordinary, but be willing to be used by God. Come on, church. Peter was truly ordinary. And yet the whole point of me coming to his letter, which is why I talked about him, so you would know why he was writing this. He says, you, church, you, church, Zion people, you are the priesthood of all believers. Say that. We are established. We are established by God as the priesthood of all believers. Now, hopefully by the lunchtime you might believe it. Let's jump into the text. I'm watching the time and I'm thinking, 
where to finish. Because God has got something for us. This is what has stirred me this week and this morning in prayer. There's much more, much more for us. First Peter chapter 2, verse 4. It says, you coming to him, let's just not skip too quickly, because it's about finding salvation in Jesus. The way to revelation, the way to life, the way to an extraordinary event is through Jesus. There is no other way, no other way. Jesus, rejected by men, but chosen by God and by precious. Oh no, he calls him, first he says, comes to Jesus, the living stone. Now, park that, because there's something we're going to see shortly. We've got a revelation to find. Jesus was rejected by men, but chosen by God. The actual word means he was of the elect, meaning God determined he would make a point through Jesus. But we've got to connect these dots. So what does it next say? You also, read the scripture, you also, in verse 5, as living stones. That's where we've got to hold on. Because when, when the Holy Spirit repeats something in scripture, he's basically taking out a pink highlighter and scratching the parchment so that you take notice. Because he just said, you're living stones, but didn't he just say Peter was living stone? I mean, Jesus was a living stone? Same words. So what we're trying to see there, and you can see it on the screen, is that we're made in the likeness of Jesus. Special, chosen, elect, precious in the eyes of God. And I would say today, let no man or woman think less of themselves because you're made in the image of Christ. So say this with me. Same for Jesus. Same for Jesus. Same for me. Say it again. Same for Jesus. Same for me. Made in the likeness of Christ. Let no man or woman put themselves down. And this is going to make sense as we build this together. And speaking of building, look in verse 5. It says, and you are being built up in a spiritual house. Living stones being put together, fitted together. As we're fitted together, we become the temple of God. Friends, I've been saying this since Christmas last year. Church is not a building. Just not a meeting at 10 o'clock on a Sunday on the corner. Church is the people of God activated by the Spirit of God. And when you and someone else get together and put Jesus in the middle, that's church. Zelda is having church on the side of the road with a guy called Dennis whose middle name was James. Why? Because God led her there by the Spirit and they had church together. And the rest of the story, which you haven't heard, is astounding, which we'll probably share in the newsletter for the sake of time. It's church. You're being built together. A spiritual temple. Paul wrote about this. I was supposed to share this last week, but I cut it out due to time. But Ephesians chapter 2, you will know this reference. But let me read it to you. The end of chapter 2 from verse 19. Can you tell I'm a bit excited about what God's trying to do to us? Oh my goodness, look at the time. Verse 19. Therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. But fellow citizens with the saints, the members of the household of God, having built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, this is you, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. 
That's why we called our church Zion, the dwelling place of God. Our dwelling place is God's dwelling place. That you together, bound together, fitted together, when we're fitted together by God as a temple of God, the dwelling place of God, we get to host the presence of God. We get to see God do amazing things. I spent all summer telling you that we're the church without walls. Not, and it has nothing to do with this building. It has everything to do with the revelation that you need that you're the church in the community. Church without walls in the community. And then you're being made into a priesthood. In verse 5, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You're being made into a holy priesthood. Well, hang on. This is, this is when the, the commentators call the priesthood of all believers, which I explained to you earlier, is the whole point of my message. Not the priesthood of some believers, the priesthood of all believers. And, and there was a mistake that was made by um, church fathers, in fact, it was Calvin, who talked about the individual selection, election, and calling of you. And they made this, the whole interpretation of this passage was made into an individual calling. But it's not the context. The context is the house being fit together. The house being fit together is corporate. It means you can be a stone if you want, but if you're a stone by yourself, then you get kicked and you're nothing. There's no substance, there's no structure, there's no dwelling place. We were actually saved and set apart by Jesus and called living stones to be locked together in unity that we would become the house of God himself. Our mission is to be close to the Lord, invite others to come close to him and invite them into that blessing. There is so much for us to take in this morning and there's so much more that I have to share for you. In First Peter chapter two, uh, I haven't got slides on it, but if you look at the, I'm gonna, I'm next week. Come back next week, and I'm gonna show you the secret sauce, the real juice in this passage because I haven't got to it yet. Uh, let's just pause in the middle. Peter writes this. He's like, because because you can. You can, you can go to the good bits and miss the, the middle of the sandwich, but, but this middle bit, which I'm not going to teach on, um, actually he starts quoting scripture. And if you've got a Bible with reference notes, you will see which scriptures Peter was quoting. And even though he was the son of a fisherman, became a fisherman, failed Jewish school, he still knows the scripture. Let the, you have any excuse. Behold, I lay on Zion, a cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes in him will by no means be put to shame. And the stone with the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is from Psalm 118. So you go back and read Psalm 118, and you see God is prophesying through the writers of Psalms. I can't remember who wrote the Psalm, but he's writing, prophesying that Jesus would become the one on which we build our church. And I thought, oh, that's nice. It's cool. Good reference. That's awesome. But then in my, God is so good. In my readings this week, in my personal devotion time, which is not about study for Sunday, I end up in Acts chapter 4. And Peter's preached a sermon. Church had had a glory party. And then they're on the way to the temple, him and John, and the dude's lame. And he said, well, get up and walk. And the guy does. 
causes a ruckus in Jerusalem, the church leaders are going, you can't do that. By what power did you do this? And so in Acts chapter 4, which I'm reading this week in my quiet time, Peter's like serving it up to the church leaders. Some sass. In verse 11 of Acts chapter 4, Peter says, oh no, 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 sorry, we'll go back because I don't want you to miss the context. Verse 10, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel and by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and who God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. That's a good word right there. Verse 11, this, meaning Jesus, is the stone which was rejected by you builders, meaning church leaders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And it's in italics, because he's quoting Psalm 118. Nor, verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That is a good word, church. Peter's using this in Acts chapter 4. It's not part of my message, but he's using this in Acts chapter 4. And what's the point? Without a revelation of Jesus, you don't get to see the miracles. Because the church was present, they just didn't see it. Got to get a revelation of Jesus. Next week, I'm going to talk about how to do it. Next week, I'm going to take you back to 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to do the second two verses that I wanted to unpack today, which are these two. There's my advertisement. This is what we're going to talk about next week. And what that means and what it looks like in Scripture, and how you can apply it to your own life to change not just your world, but the world of the people around you. Because you are ordinary, but you are called by God to see extraordinary exploits every day. So next week, we're going to come back to this. We're going to look at Peter. We're going to look at Evan Roberts, because he's got some more stuff to share with us. And then we're going to unlock the revelation of heaven.